am Carolyn Robinson. I am the founder and CEO of Empowering You Now, which is a nonprofit faith-based organization. And I'm here to talk about discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? That's what we are going to be talking about today. What does it mean to be a disciple? You know, we, we live in a world that's getting darker each day. We're calling evil good and good evil. And you know what the Lord told me? As a body of believers, we're walking in so much fear, it is pathetic. It is pathetic. We are the body of Christ. We're supposed to be the world changers. Jesus discipled 12 people that turned the world upside down. And here we are with billions of people, and we're sitting on the fence. And so, you know, at the beginning of each year, I actually spend time asking God, what is it that you want me to do this year? What is it? What is it, Lord? And um, for me, uh, and listen, one of the things you're going to learn is we are always working on ourselves. We never arrive. There is no place called I have arrived. I am there. I think when you maybe get to heaven, you are there. But if you're not in heaven, you still should be working on you. Because we are people who are continuously learning and evolving into the things that God wants us to be. And so for me, you know what it was? Fear. He said, the people of God have no fear of me. You know who we fear? Man. Man said we got to do this. We will jump through hoops. God said, you need to do this. And we're, oh, he knows my heart. Did you know your heart is desperately wicked? Half the time, you don't know what's in it. And that's why we go through trials and tribulations, so we can see what's in our own heart. Because on the fast, I saw that even I don't have the type of fear of God that I should have. You know, we live in, and we go to churches, and they're so, it's like Pastor Yvonne was saying, they're so concerned about the members in the pew that they're compromising God's word because they have no fear of God. And so God said he wants the real disciples to step up, take their position, and be the world changers he designed us to be because God says, he says, we would do greater works. Well, where is the greater works? Come on, come on. You know, when, when Peter was walking on earth, his shadow would heal people. Where is the greater works? And so it goes back to us examining our hearts so that we can actually be those disciples that's doing the greater work that we was commissioned to do here on earth. You know, the world is dying, you guys. People are dying every day going to hell. That should concern us as Christians. We have lots of loved ones who don't know Christ. We're supposed to be the light. And so in order for us to be that light, I felt like it would be great for us to understand, comprehend what is really discipleship. What is it all about? You know, there's a big difference between a disciple and a believer. I mean, Satan is a believer. He believes in Jesus. There's a lot of people that go to church uh, on Christmas and, and New Year's or, or uh, Easter. It's Easter and, and New Year's. And they say they believe. 
Well, let me tell you what the difference is. If you're a disciple, you obey Christ's direction even when it's difficult. It doesn't matter. You have a healthy fear of God. So you do it even when it's difficult. You're willing to stand up for your faith. Even when people don't agree with you, you will not compromise. You're led by the Holy Spirit. You have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Half the people that go to church don't even know. They call it an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we grieve him when we go around hollering, it. It's a person. You need to know the Holy Spirit. You need to be speaking in tongues. Tongues edify you. And it prays prayers that we don't know how to pray. Sometimes we don't know how to pray for our government. And Lord knows they need it. So I spend a lot of times praying in the spirit because I don't know what they need. But the Holy Spirit in me knows exactly how I need to pray for them. And they share their faith with others. They evangelize. Most people, we're underground Christians. They don't even know we're Christians. And you know I'm going to tell off on myself. When I, uh, I do that all the time. I remember the Lord had me do a Bible study at one of my jobs I was at. I didn't want to do it. You know why I didn't want to do it? Because there would be certain expectations that people would place on me because I'm saying I'm a Christian. We don't want that. I did it. And God blessed it. But there was these little reservations that we have. Well, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? You know what? If you fear man, you're going to obey man. But if you fear God, you're going to obey God. It goes back to who you fear. And so we're living in a time where persecution is running rapid. And don't, we can't think we're going to be exempt. But what I do know is God's grace is sufficient to get us through every challenge we ever face in life. So if it comes, be willing to stand up for Christ. They have a, uh, they pray, prayer is a daily routine for them. They get up praising God. And, and you know, the enemy probably shatter every time they get up. It's, oh, here they come again. But you know what? That, that's what he's supposed to say. Because why? Because we're prayer warriors. We know how to enter in. We know that we are entering into the heavenly places up there, and we're praying a prayer that's going to bring about change. And you know what? We're bold in our confession because we know who we are. We're children of the Most High God. That's our Papa Father. And we know who he is. We study to show ourselves approved. You know, most of the time, we don't even crack a Bible till we go to church, and now we don't even do that. You know why? Because it's on the big screen. So we read it there, and we never study. He says, study to so yourself approved unto God. A workman need not be afraid, rightly dividing the word of truth. How will you know what the truth is if you're not studying it for yourself? You can't rely on Pastor Yvonne and Apostle Michael or your pastors or leaders, they're not going to be there all the time. you got to know it for yourself. you got to hide God's word in your heart so that you don't sin against him. And in order to hide it in your heart, you have to have it. But now, if you're a believer, that's a little bit different. Uh, you follow Christ when it's convenient. If it's raining outside, it's like, well, I don't think I'll go to church today. God knows my heart. We have all kinds of excuses when it comes to God. But I bet you, you get up and go to that job. 
And if they tell you to work overtime, you're going to grit your teeth, bear it, and do it. But if God tell you to pray for an hour, he's like, well, I can't do that. That's the pastor's job. No, no, it's not. It's your job. Why? Because you're a disciple. We're not believers. We, we are disciples. Uh, they compromise their faith during challenging time. Yeah. You know, it's challenging. So it's like they're saying something and it goes totally against the word of God. And what do you do? You sit silently. You don't take a stand because, after all, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? Hopefully, they'll think that you are a child of God and that maybe you have something they need. Uh, they're led by their emotions. Now, we all have emotions. God gave us emotions. But I don't think you can read. Now, y'all correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I don't think it says anything about being led by your emotions in the Bible. We have them. I told you, when he told me to start a Bible study, my emotions were telling me, well, what are people going to think? I don't want to do that. What are people going to think? But I was led by the Holy Spirit to do it despite what my emotions were saying to me at that time. Tell others about their church. We quick to tell, oh, I go to Genesis Upper Room. I go. That's not evangelizing. That's conversation. Evangelizing, do you know the Lord? Is he your personal Savior? That's evangelizing. Prayer and times of need. And you know what? This reminds me when I first became a Christian. Me and Jesus had this conversation. I would talk to him when I needed him. It's like, I'm cool, Lord. I don't need you right now. I'll, I'll get back in contact with you when I need you. And this is what I found out. It's a relationship. Just like I have two daughters and a husband. I don't want them to be calling me only when they need me. I want them to have an intimate relationship with me. And so I found out prayer is just me having an intimate time with my father. And you know what? It's more than just me giving him all my wish list. I need you to do this, 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 this. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow next. Same place, same station. No, it's me spending time listening. That's how you know the voice of the Holy Spirit. Many of you don't know his voice because you don't spend time listening. It's a discipline. It reminds me of a baby being born to a mother. You know, when the baby's first born, they start crying. She don't know that child's voice from any other voice. But you let that woman stay around that baby long enough, and he start crying. And it could be two or three other babies. And you know what? She's, my baby is crying. Because she know his voice. She spent time with him. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do with you. Spend time. Spend time in his presence. And, and ask him, what do you want me to do for you today, Lord? It's not always about you. There, remember, there's a world dying going to hell. So what do you want me to do? to be a witness for you? What do you want me to do to show the love of Christ? What do you want me to do? And uh, attend church without accountability. That's why you can say, well, I'm not going to church today because uh, it's raining outside or it's too cold. I don't feel like it. I do feel like I'm going to slip in. But if you got accountability, guess what? I know that I'm accountable, so I'm going to show up regardless of how I might feel. And so it just goes back to, that's what believers do. But we're, we're growing. 
when you start out, you start out as a believer. But you don't stay there. You grow, you mature into becoming the disciple. You know, are you following Jesus? So many people say, I'm going to church. Uh, that's, not the, that's not the question. Are you following Jesus? You know, well, so-and-so is my pastor. That's not the question. Are you following Jesus? Because if something happened to the pastor, are you following Jesus? And so it goes back to the things that we can learn from the people following Jesus. When in Matthew 4, 19, Jesus tells Peter to follow me. Follow me. Uh, and in other words, put aside all your disappointments. Put aside all your shame. Put aside all those other things that have held you back in the past and follow me. Allow me to be your teacher and you be the student and follow me. You know, if we're going to follow, if we're going to be followers of Christ, we got to get in the word. And we, and we don't learn the word just for knowledge. We learn the word for application. I don't, I don't study the word just for knowledge. I study to say, Lord, what are you telling me I need to do? Application. We need to apply it for ourselves. And so when you follow Jesus, you leave behind your past. Some of us are still stuck in our past. We're, the enemy has lied to us so much, he, we believe the lie. Oh, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this enough. But in reality, God is saying, you are my child. I've imparted in you gifts and callings. And if I say, you're my child, you're my child, stop saying you can't. Because I say you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And so God tells them that, we got to stay close to the Lord, especially during these times that we're coming into now. You got to stay close to the Lord. Otherwise, you're going to compromise. And you know what? I'm reminded of this little story. I don't know if it's true or not. But it, it was, you can put a frog in the water and slowly turn up the heat. He doesn't realize it until the water is boiling and he's already dead. We, the enemy, what he does to us slowly but, slowly but in, uh, slowly causes us to modify God's word. Oh, this, it's not that bad. I do that, but it's not that bad. And so we're changing slowly but incrementally. That's what the enemy's doing. He's getting us to slowly get away from the things of God, slowly. It, he's not going to tell you, stop going to church, but he might tell you, you don't need to go to that ministry. You don't need to get involved. It's not that deep. It don't take all that. Slowly but incrementally, the enemy is causing you to get further and further away from God. So it's really important for us to make him your number one priority. And um, I, I just don't have any secrets, so I just tell off on myself. <laughs> and it's so funny when my husband's here, he corrects because he don't know what I'm going to say. Uh, when I first accepted the Lord, I really wanted the Lord. I, I accepted the Lord when my, my mother, uh, I saw God move mightily in my mother's life. My father had passed away, and 
I'm one of 12 kids. It was six of us still home with a mother who had never worked. And my greatest fear, because I was 12, was how are we going to make it? But I saw God supernaturally meet this woman's need. And I made, a pur and I purposed in my heart that I wanted her God. I wanted her God. And so I joined the church. Unfortunately, the person who came up to me and supposedly ministered to me gave me some really bad information that actually he told me I needed to see something in order for me to actually know that I was saved. Yes, it kept me in bondage for over 10 years. You know why? Because I didn't read the word. But don't tell nobody that, okay? Uh, so what did I do? I became a human doing. I sang in the choir. I was on the usher board. I did all these things. Why? Because I'm trying to earn God's love. And then after about 15 years, I ended up in a church, and they told me about Romans 10, 9, and 10. Yeah. And boy, it set me free. It set me free. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose from the dead and you will be saved. It set me free. I had been living in torment because fear is tormenting. And I didn't never know if I was saved or not because of that information. And because I wasn't reading the word. And so it kept me in bondage. And so I, I just want to say that because I feel like a lot of people in the body of Christ do that. They work, 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 trying to earn God's love. And you can't earn a free gift. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. And so he doesn't want us to do that. So are you a disciple of Jesus? Well, being a disciple of the Lord means that you learn from him. And in order to learn from him, you got to spend time with him. You know what? I think it's great that I'm here teaching and Pastor Yvonne can teach and, and Apostle Michael can teach. I think that's great. But you know what? He said, you study. You study to show yourself approved unto God. We got to study. He got to talk to us. Because sometimes God will tell me some things that are specific for me. But you know what? As Christians, we're lazy. I'm just going to tell you the truth. We are. We'll want Pastor Yvonne to give us a word because we don't want to spend time with the Father and get our own word. That's lazy. Now, don't y'all get mad at me. Because you know what? The word says, uh, I have to tell you the truth. Remember, he got on my case about fearing God. So if I fear God, I got to tell you what he says, regardless how, how you feel about it. But uh, remember, God does not bring condemnation. God brings conviction. He doesn't condemn you for not doing anything. What he does is he convicts you and then enables you to actually make the changes that you need to make. And that's what he does for me in my life. We got to abide in him. We got to abide in him. If, you, if his word abide in you and you abide in him, you can ask whatever you will and it'll be done. That's why we don't see the greater works because we don't want to abide in him. We ain't got time. We're too busy. We got to go shopping. We got to go do this. We got to do that. You know what? Distractions. The enemy uses a lot of us with distractions and they're not all bad distractions. They can be good distractions, but they're still distractions. And we're led by the Holy Spirit. 
These are the three things that are very core to true discipleship. You know, two principles that we can learn from Christ. Christ's disciples listen carefully to his teaching. And I believe that they did that because Christ was always telling them what the Father said. And he says, I don't do anything unless the Father tell me to do it. So he was the example. He was the example. He was relating to his Father, and then he is sharing to the disciples. And so it's so important for us to make sure that the people that we are discipling or those individuals that are discipling us have a good relationship with the Lord. A lot of times we get hurt. Why? Because this isn't the case. And then we wonder why they did that because they weren't in tune with what the Father was saying. And then Christ's disciples learned from him by willingly doing what he said. Remember when Peter had fished all night? Peter's a fisherman. And God said, Peter, go back out there and throw your net out there. Well, in Peter's mind, this don't make no sense. I done been out here all night long. You going to tell me to do this? I, don't, I, I have my doubts, but I'm going to do it anyway. And he got so many fish, he had to get other people to help him to bring all the fish in. So sometimes God will tell us to do things that in our own natural thinking don't make sense. This just don't make sense, Lord. But not my will, your will be done. So we have to be willing to be obedient if we're going to be disciples of Christ, even when it don't make sense. Even when he's telling you to do something that goes totally against what you think makes sense. Just do it. Uh, how to stay close to Christ. Never, ever stop spending quality time with the Lord. Never, ever stop spending quality time with the Lord. Make it a daily ritual. And make prayer a top priority. Prayer is you communicating. It's communicating with your father. Think of it that way. I'm communicating with my dad. I'm communicating with my father. And when you're communicating, do you know that effective communicators spend more time listening than they do speaking? So that should be the case in prayer too. Spend some quality time listening. Lord, I'm listening. What do you want to share with me? And I'll wait. I, I... do I have a journal and a pen because you know if he tell me something the enemy gonna try to steal it so I'm gonna write it down because he ain't stealing my words so um, I when, when I'm praying I have a journal and a pen and when I have my quiet time I'm actually asking him what are you saying for me Lord now sometimes he don't say anything uh, but a lot of times he'll give me a word why that's communication it, prayer is not you always talking and giving him your list of things to do. But it's also you asking him, what is it you want me to do? Now, this is just, I throw this in because if you have questions, raise your hand. We can make it interactive because I, I love to teach. That's my gifting. And I love questions because I figured the Holy Spirit got the answer. So I told him. 
I don't want to stand up here if he wasn't coming. Self-reflection. How much time do you spend in the Word and prayer each day? Uh, And how much time do you spend in TV? Don't answer that question. Some of you need to cut back on your TV and make some of that your prayer time. Because at the end of the day, in the season that we're in, you better know the voice of God. That TV and all that stuff that it's saying, in most cases, is not going to help you. But knowing the voice of God can prevent you from being in a bad place and keep you safe. And it says, when you pray, do you spend quality time asking the Lord, what do you want me to do for you today? And if you don't, start doing that. What do you want me to do for you today, Lord? Who do you want me to touch? Where do you want me to go? Here am I, Lord, send me. You know, so why is discipleship important? It says, when Christ Christ expects his disciples to follow him, he expected them to do that, to learn from him and to stay close to him. Why? Because we need to be advancing the kingdom of God. You know, we are of, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're supposed to be in the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is a mindset. It's a mindset. And everywhere you go, you take the kingdom. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is in you. It's in you. The greater one lives on the inside of you. We just got to tap into him and allow him to lead and direct us. You know, the word says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so everywhere we go, I worked in corrections, and I loved my job. The room that the men that I taught were in was bigger than this room. They housed 65 men. And I would go in there because I'm the king's kid. And uh, I don't know why all the men, they in jail, right? I don't know why they all in jail. I even worked with the uh, individuals who were there, were um, gang-related individuals. And I would go right up in there like I'm somebody. And you know what I would do to these men? I called them mighty men of God. I called them mighty No, I take that back because I couldn't use God because I worked for the school district. So I said, men of honor. I called them men of honor. And when they did things that didn't line up with that, you know what I tell Men of honor, don't do that. You know, God has a plan for your life. And this doesn't have to be the end. I love that job because I, uh, I was showing them the love of God. You know, people should be able to look at your life and tell if you're a Christian or not. You don't have to go around preaching. So uh, sometimes God would open that door for me to give them a word. But uh, the most part, it was, it was the life that I showed them, the love, the unconditional love, the words that they would say when, that I would say when they made a mistake. I didn't call them stupid and dumb. I said, you know what, that's okay. You know, when some of them would come back after they got released, it's okay. Forgive yourself and get back. Get back in there. It takes what it takes. You're okay. You're going to do it. And you know what is so awesome when I get some of my students who've graduated from some of the classes I taught in Elmwood? 
uh, emailed me and tell me, you know what, Miss Carolyn, uh, I graduated from my addiction counseling studies, and now I am an addiction counselor. I had one call, text me, Instagram me. I guess you can get any information you want from anybody because I'm like, I have no idea how they get in contact with me. <laughs> but anyway, it was this week. She said, Miss Carol, I just want you to know I was approved to go back into Elmwood and teach. Yay. I'm like, you go, girl. She said, I'll see you in there. I said, no, you won't because I'm retired. <laughs> I said, but we can do lunch. You know, when, wherever we go, we should be touching lives. Yes. People should know you by the way you live, yes. the way you love, the way you show love. Very, very important. And you know, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you, even unto the end of the age. So I'm going to talk about five essential disciplines for discipleship. The first dis, uh, essential discipline is a strong prayer life. That is fundamentally very important. Because remember, you're talking to your father. You're developing an intimate relationship with your father. And then you got to learn how to read the word for yourself. You know, when we first get saved, yes, we're supposed to listen to all the teaching we can get and all. Sometimes you need to get in the word for yourself and let the Holy Spirit teach you. When you open that word, you ask the Holy Spirit to open up your understanding, to comprehend the information that you're taking in. Remember, he is the best teacher there is the Holy Spirit, and he lives on the inside of you. Utilize the Holy Spirit. And then develop healthy relationships with other people. One of the biggest ways that the enemy also gets us away from the things of God is isolation. God didn't create us to be in isolation. He says, don't forsake the assembling of the body of Christ. He tells us to come together. Why? Because there's power in unity. One can put a 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. So there's power in that. So just know that. And you know what? I wrote this little, a healthy relationship doesn't drag you down. It inspires you to be better. So if you're hanging around people that are not inspiring you to be better, you might need to make some adjustments. Either set some healthy boundaries or it might be time for you to move on from that relationship. Any relationship that you're in that is not inspiring you to be better, but is dragging you down, is not healthy. With family, there's called boundaries. You set healthy boundaries. If I know uh, Denise is going to be very negative. When I go around, uh, then I can set a boundary. You know what, Denise? I get really, really irritated when every time we get together and you are very negative. I really would appreciate it if you could just be positive. And if you can't do that, maybe we shouldn't hang out as much. 
set some healthy boundaries for yourself. A lot of times people don't, they continue doing what they're doing because you don't say anything. You tolerate it. We do, because people don't know. If you sit there and you tolerate it, they think you're okay with it. But once you let them know that this isn't working for me, and, and that's how I used to have the inmates say it, because they had a hard time saying they can or whatever. You know what? The conversations that we're having really isn't working for me. It makes me feel really down and depressed. And uh, if we can't change the topics or stay on a positive note, then uh, I, I can't be around that because I'm trying to do something different today. And you know what? You'll teach them. You're teaching them. But boundaries are essential. Uh, uh, number four, accountability, responsibility, and accountability. Accountability with other individuals is perhaps the leading, leading indicator of spiritual success in an individual's life. Being accountable to other people, that helps you grow spiritually. Because you may not want to do it. Like, I really don't want to get up and do this, but you know, I made a commitment. So I'm going to do it. I made a commitment. So uh, it helps us be responsible and accountable. And then service. Every one of us should be in some type of service. We should be utilizing the gifts that God has given us. He's given us all gifts. We all have gifts. And uh, we need to be using those gifts to advance the kingdom of God. You know, whether that's serving in your church serving in your community, whether that's serving in your family, whatever it is, ask Holy Spirit, where is it you want me to serve? What do you want me to do? That's really important. Whether it's leaving a small group or mentoring people, teaching a class, organizing, whatever it is, we need to be utilizing our gifts because we're kingdom builders. We're supposed to be advancing the kingdom of God. Wrong place, sorry. Okay, now I'm back on track. Okay, here are 10 disciplines of discipleship. The first one is discipleship is a relationship. You have a relationship with the Father. You have a relationship with Holy Spirit, and you have a relationship with other people. Yes, you have a relationship. It's not about you just coming to church. No, you're interactive. You have a relationship. The second one is discipleship enables and empowers us by the work of the Holy Spirit. 
who transforms us into the image of Christ. See, the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to give us the grace to be transformed from glory to glory. Because if you're not growing, you know what? If I tell When I worked in corrections, I would tell people, there's no such thing as standing still. You're either moving backwards or you're moving forward. So you have to decide where you're going. So if you want to keep moving forward in the things of God, then that means you need to be spending time with Holy Spirit and allowing him to change you from the inside out. Because the Holy Spirit indwells in us and he feels us. He lives on the inside of us. He's there. He guides us into all truth. That's why I say when you open the word up, you ask him to reveal his truth. That's his job. And he brings forth fruit, fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, or long-suffering. Somebody said, what is long-suffering? I said, it's to suffer a long time. <laughs> why? Because he's trying to produce patience. And it takes what it takes. Some. And it empowers us to do ministry in the church and in the world, wherever he sends us. Number three, discipleship is grounded and it is rooted and grounded in the word of God. The word of God is the final authority. If it's not written in the word, then uh, no. If God is not telling, if God is saying don't do that, then you shouldn't do it. His word is the final authority. And in John 8, 31, 32, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You're truly his disciples if you're abiding in him. Because if you're abiding in him, you're doing what he's telling you to do. And discipleship is nurtured in community. You know what? In, in the book of Acts, everywhere those disciples went, they made a difference. We should be doing likewise. They're the example. So community with our believers is a vital part of our growth as disciples. We were made to be in fellowship with one another. We were made to be in fellowship. So don't isolate yourself. Come together. Because iron sharpens iron. It sharpens iron. When I'm around mature Christians, you know what? It makes me stand a little taller. Make me pray a little longer. Why? Iron sharpens iron. We need each other. Number five, discipleship is a continuing process of being transformed from the inside out. Because a lot of times you can see people that look good on the outside, but the inside isn't that great. It's like, you know what, they look great at church, but don't go home with them. And it says, discipleship produces spiritual fruit. 
as the Holy Spirit works to transform the individual and change is made from the inside. He starts working on the inside of us. The characteristics of God become evident in the believer's life. And that's where you see the fruit, which is love, joy, patience, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those fruit, people, can come, people see them and they can come and actually eat from your fruit. It's like, oh, wow, she has so much patience. I'm just going to be around her so somebody that can rub off on me. Boy, I want to eat from that fruit. Or, or, you know what? She just has so much love. I just want to hang around her so it can rub off on me. Eat from that fruit. And number seven, disciples of Christ who are in the process of inward transformation yield to the Holy Spirit's leading in service and mission. And I purposefully put that family. Why? Because that's you, everywhere you go, that inward transformation should be taking place. It, not just at church. It should be at home. It should be at work. It should be in the community. You should be consistent. But a lot of times, it looks you look great at church. Just don't go home. So spiritual... Formation is both about the inward change of the heart and the outward manifestation of that changed heart. Christ modeled the life of service of his disciples and commanded us to serve in humility and love with uh, proclaiming his truth in a lost world. We need, the world need to see us different. Have you ever uh, been somewhere and you saw someone and you just knew they were a Christian? You, just the way their character says, just the way that the, the things that they said, uh, the way that they acted, just let you knew that they was a disciple of Christ. And then you go and say, are you a Christian? Yeah, how did you know? I see the fruit. You know what? The world should see the fruit. They should see that we're different. They should see that we're people of integrity. They should see that even when we disagree, we can disagree in love. They should see that we're not putting everybody down, but we're finding something good to say about them. They should see it. And they say, wow, they're different. There's something different about them. I remember when I was working in corrections, I had a coworker. She wasn't a believer. But she left me a note. Miss Carolyn, I know that you are a spiritual woman. And I really need you to pray for me. My son, some things were going on with her, um, her one of her kids. And um, she didn't have the courage to confront me, so she left me a note. But she saw the fruit. People should see your fruit. Uh, and she asked me to pray, and I, I told her when I saw her in the hallway that, you know what, I will be praying for your son. Okay, thank you so much. People should see your fruit.
And I put this one in because you know what? We Christians think that when we get saved, ain't nothing bad supposed to happen to us. I just want you to know that ain't true. Discipleships are called to share in the fellowship of Christ's suffering. What about all those Christians who are being persecuted in China? And you know what? They grow because these individuals, God has graced them to continue doing what they're doing. They don't compromise with the government. Some of them are actually put in prison for their faith. Why? Because they're sharing in Christ's suffering. In uh, 2 Corinthians 4.17, it says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing me for an uh, eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You know, James 1.2 says, Count it all joy. When you fall into various temptations, count it all joy. Why? Because God is using that to develop maturity in you. You know, me and God have these little conversations. And I remember I was going through a hard time once. And I asked him why. He said, because I'm more concerned about your character than I am your comfort. I'm like, that, that wasn't what I wanted to hear. <laughs> He's developing character. You know, it's easy to say, uh, forgive, I'll forgive you. But you know what? Like Peter, I think it was Peter. How often do I forgive him? Seven times 70? Mm -hmm. Forgiveness. So he might put you in a position where you constantly have to forgive. So what is he doing? He's developing character. So he uses suffering to develop godly character. And then uh, disciples must count the cost. We must count the cost. In Luke 9.23, it says, Then he said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That's what he said. Take up your cross daily and follow him. That means we're supposed to die to our flesh so that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, can rule our lives. And then discipleship is a, long, a lifelong journey. You never arrive. You're constantly working on you. God is constantly working on you. He's constantly refining you. There is no place like there, I have arrived. No. We haven't arrived. We're still working. God is still revealing things to us and helping us to continue to grow to accomplish the purpose for which we were put here. So here's a little self-reflection. I like to do this. Some things for you to think about. How many discipleship principles do you currently have today? Do you rejoice in suffering? Do you do service? What is it that you're doing? And what are you going to do to develop more discipleship principles? You know, it's one thing for us to realize where we are. It's another thing to realize what you need to do to continue moving forward. Because remember, we're supposed to be continually, continually moving forward. 
Do you have people in your life who holds you accountable for your spiritual walk? Who's holding you accountable? Do you have people in your life that you go to when you are actually doing some tough, going through some tough challenges and asking them, you know, what it, they think? Uh, just spiritual accountability. We need that. Because when we don't have that, you know what happens? We slowly but incrementally back up. It's okay. It's okay. I can't do this. It's okay. We, we make all kind of excuses for ourselves. But in reality, God says he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He says everything you need is on the inside of you. You know why? That's where the Holy Spirit lives. But you have to work it. You got to pray. You got to get in the word. You got to do it. Nobody else can do it for you. Three key aspects of discipleship. And this is what I'm going to leave you with. Live by faith in Christ. Be led by the Holy Spirit. And rest in God's grace. Get out of works. Let the Holy Spirit in you do it. Because when he does it, it's done right. When you do it, there's a 50-50 chance. If you're lucky. But when he does it, it's going to be done correctly. It's going to be done the way he wants it done. So we have to rest. And you know what? When we do it, we're worn out. But when he does it, guess what? You rest because it's like it's effortless. It's effortless. Because the Holy Spirit's doing it. 